Hello, this is Chris O'Regan, and you're listening to The Sausage Factory. This is episode 215 of The Sausage Factory. In this episode, I talk to Sasu Kampinen of Team Jolly Roger about their projectile-based tactical combat game, Warbital. But before I delve into that, I have some news about what's happening with the rest of the Cade and Rinse network, of which The Sausage Factory is part. Good grammar, Chris. Yes! <laughs> Cade and Rinse on Monday this gone, just look. Like you know, after you listen to this episode, it features Gravity Rush 2. We'll delve deep into that very interesting, unique game. And on Wednesday, of course, we have Sound of Play. More celebrations of video game music. I highly, highly recommend that. And brand new to the Caden Ritz Network, I know, exciting times, is Playwright. It's out on Thursdays. And this is a podcast where they basically kick around an idea about a video game and try to workshop it to see if it can work. Quite an interesting concept. Again, highly recommend it. Very, very fitting for the cane and rinse umbrella, if you ask me. Now, you can find out more about cane and rinse if you go to caneandrinse.com and you can actually find not only archives of all the podcasts I've just mentioned just a moment ago, but also a forum. That's right, an active forum where people discuss things in a forum-like manner rather than just on 280 characters on Twitter. Not there's anything wrong with Twitter. Well, actually, there's a lot wrong. Anyway, enough about social networking. Let's talk about Patreon. Yes, Patreon is the thing you can use to throw us some cash our way. Once a month, no more than a, you know, a dollar, then you'll get extra content. Just a dollar. No, nothing more. Actually, that's not true. You can actually donate more if you like, if you really like our stuff. But minimum, for a dollar a month, you get extra content. And uh, extended editions of Cane and Rinse. You get uh, console exclusives, like format exclusives. So, if you want to throw some money our way, by all means, do so. But enough about that. Let's move on to the main feature. Enjoy! Sasu, who are you? And what do you do? I am Sasu Kempainen, sorry for the unpronounceable last name. Uh, I'm a game designer at Team Jolly Roger. Uh, it's uh, uh, a game studio in Finland, uh, in, in this uh, little place called Kajani in the very middle. And uh, I've been here as a game designer since uh, 2013. And it's uh, shortly after I graduated from uh, the Kajani uh, School of uh, Applied Sciences, which had, had this... Uh, 
a course for game design and um, game development. Well, actually, like a whole whole line of studies. So I studied there and um, then ended up to this studio. And now I've been working on this uh, Warbital for a while. And it was actually released yesterday. Well, when we were recording this, so yeah. lots of <laughs> lots of intense sort of anxiety yes. and you know stress. The, the nice kind of stress, though, the excited kind of stress. Yeah, yeah, but certainly. It's still very stressful when you push that thing out the door and you realise that it's no longer yours. Ah, oh, that's any, true. Anything you create like that, it seems to be just yours, and then you have to understand interpretations of others. And you'll go, well, that's not what we wanted to... Oh, okay, fine. Is that people... Uh-huh. <laughs> And it's, yeah, it's, it's yeah, hard. Yeah. That's really hard as a creator when you push something out there and people interpret it different way. Like, that's not what. But I'm actually <laughs> actually really happy that that uh, I, there's some of, some of the reviews uh, that I've read like now recently, just before starting this recording, uh, seemed like some of them were really like getting what I was trying to put out there. So I'm like, yes, finally. I, I mean, yeah, I love the humor. It's, it's just you know. Oh, it, thanks. The, the interaction between the characters is like they're just so dysfunctional. It's brilliant. Anyway, <laughs> before we go into that, let's uh, let's let's delve into a little bit about you more. Um, yay, grammar! How did you mm. make your start making video games? So yeah, uh, I started studying at this uh, game development school in right. in uh, my hometown hometown here in Kajani, and. Uh, it was basically just uh, sort of an, on a whim because it happened to be here and I love video games and I've played uh, all my life and I just thought that maybe I could put this information that I've been gathering on the background for a long, long time into some use and go get some studies. And it was it was maybe the second year uh, that they actually had existed that school there. So... Uh, it, it was kind of just starting up and it was in the beginnings and uh, I, I feel like only after I actually get into this business that I sort of learned ropes of the things and at school it was sort of trying out different stuff but I made lots of good connections there and um, some of the connections that I did make uh, were the people from Team Jolly Roger who I joined in very early on and uh, that's where I'm working at currently. So basically... I got to know this group of people who, at the time, they were also students, and they called themselves uh, Team Jolly Roger, which ended up to ended up being the company name later on. And uh, I joined them after graduation into, to work on this game called Interplanetary. And uh, then while working on that game, decided to form this uh, Team Jolly Roger into a company. So I've been there since the very beginning. Uh, of this uh, company and have been working on different projects since and this is basically where I feel like I've learned most of the game development that I've um, I've learned in this company but like considering I still feel like I'm just learning every day and I'm I'm I feel like really new at this even though like I've been working on quite many years already but I guess that's how it goes uh, with this stuff you get different projects and you learn all kinds of different different things from them and uh it's just always something something surprises you it's something that um i've mentioned often on this show so apologies everyone don't worry we're not going to talk about that thing you put that drink down no you put it down is it not that thing but i'm going to talk about something else is the idea that the creative process is very destructive you actually 
create a lot of things that you go, well, that's great, but for not this game, or you go down a, a road or take a branch, you take a, a tangent off, and you think, well, let's see if we this will work. And I, no, <laughs> no, it's yeah, not. Yeah. Uh, and it ends up a mark or a, a, a sort of a note, a post-it note somewhere, that maybe three or four years from now you pick it up and go, oh, yeah, now this, see this thing. This will, now you're this talking about game. Warbital. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Really? Like that, that's pretty much how it happened. Yes, yes. Wow. Like we can get to that more later, but uh, that's yeah. Interesting. Uh, okay, there it is. I mean, I just find it fascinating the creation of games. And uh, personally, don't uh, develop. I can code actually. I do know C plus plus and stuff like that. But and I've only used it to make tools and things. But it's it's something that um, you know I'm tempted to do myself, especially after many years doing this this, this show talking to just so many developers i kind of like i might have some ideas now but uh oh yeah it's it's fascinating it's an amazing skill i don't know what that's my worry is that i will make a complete fluff out of it but you know until you do it you don't know um but be that as it may it's not about me um it's a great sort of training you actually went off to university to to study this because because I'm, i'm terribly old and for me the idea of going to university to study the creation of video games is just you know just like really this this thing you can do now because when i was a young person the closest you could get to doing that for video games anyway is um is you know computer science which is not it's very dry that's a very very dry subject it just it always gives you i say it's a very important subject and very worthwhile subject to study however it is just giving you the tools it's not really teaching you anything about um the 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 nuances and complexities of game design at all why could Mm. it you know it's just teaching you about and you can take a drink now, uh, that you're realizing that computers are just a series of switches. Because <laughs> they are. And it's no matter how complex and vast they get at present, I mean, they're going to get quantum computers and stuff like that in the future. I get that. But, you know, it's the ones we use now are just still, still a series of switches. And, uh, and, and that's ultimately what all games that we play with is just, uh, they, even the so-called AI, what we were doing, they're just reacting to what humans are doing. It's just, uh, oh. like if and or logic statement saying, Oh, okay. <laughs> You're going to do that. Well, if you do that, I'm going to do this uh, or what have you. It's just, yeah, I just find it um, fascinating in that regard. But, um, no, fair play to you. Um, yeah. So as a studio then, Jolly Roger, no, Team Jolly Roger, sorry, um, what do you think are your biggest influences? Well, uh, yeah, I've, I've been thinking about this since I uh, listened to a couple of podcast episodes. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, I might be able to narrow it down. Like um, I, Ever since I was a kid, I've been a really big fan of the LucasArts adventure games. Uh, of the like the uh, late eighties and uh, from the nineties to two thousands, and um, it's sort of like uh, thinking back to it. It really inspired me to go into this um, this game development thing, reading about the, how how they were developing the games back in the day, and and something about the. I I think it must have been something about at the time when uh, in the early nineties, lots of games were. Uh, purely about action and these LucasArts adventure games point and click games uh, they they had stories to them and characters and dialogue and and you could talk to it 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 felt like you can do all kinds of things there that you don't you can't usually do in the games and they had a great atmosphere and i would say that uh, like many people from uh, 
early on there have been sort of like big influences. I actually got to meet one of them a couple of years ago because of this. Uh, uh, this um, uh, was traveling to Paris for a game connection and. Uh, I went total fanboy mode there, so I, I hope I didn't scare him too much. And uh, yeah, I, I would prob- probably name like uh, Ron Gilbert, Noah Falstein, uh, Tim Schafer, uh, those people from, well, of course, like David Fox. There's so many of them, like I, I, I really love their work. And I was also thinking about that I do have some more recent influences also. Uh, Hidetaka Miyazaki from uh, From Software is uh, one that I'm really like digging the style that he uh, handles storytelling. You can maybe see a pattern. I'm, I'm quite into games as storytelling uh, uh, these mediums, even though you might not be, might not realize from the games that I've been working on. But um, yeah, just, just the way that uh, how he builds the worlds and uh, tells the story in subtle ways and actually like, Having played lots of Dark Souls games and uh, Demon Souls and what have you from from software, I think like my weirdly my one of my favorite things is the is the world of those uh, and and the way it tells the story and gives you a little bit of information. It makes you feel like you're actually immersed in there and you're some kind of like archaeologist. And uh, that kind of um, way of telling stories, I've I've taken a lot of influence there, knowingly and unknowingly. So I think uh, those are a couple of things that I could maybe highlight now, but there must be like a lots of other stuff too. Yeah, um, I mean, from software and people don't know how far those go back. I know you understand it, but a lot of people maybe listening don't. I don't know. I mean, Kane and Rince are a pretty educated bunch, so maybe they do. But from software, you know, Demon's Souls, that's the original from PS3, but there's actually stuff behind that. There's Kingsfield. Yeah, yeah. Don't be talking about Kingsfield games, but they they weren't great, but they were weird, and they you could see <laughs> that there were the, the you know the origins of like it feels like a little bit like the, the Elder Scrolls games, weren't they? A little bit like that, but much more linear, but doesn't detract from the experience. And I'd never heard of them until I just stumbled upon them on a, on a Twitch stream because I love watching um, retro game Twitch streams. I just find them fast. Not the speedrunners. Not I've got anything against speedrunners. Please don't think that. But I just like the ones that sort of latch on to really quirky, weird games. And mm. um, this chap was playing Kingsfield, and my, my jaw dropped to the floor. Like, what the hell is this? <laughs> yeah, I love that quirky stuff. It's like uh, I don't know so, something about the whole whole thing that it's maybe the unexpectedness of uh, when a game is really weird or quirky, or maybe like an older game, you just don't know what's coming next. So that's that's something that I really like. That and the level of technology they had and the amount of technology, they still managed to squeeze out a phenomenal amount of content. And some mm. of these games were really, really deep, uh, much deeper than you give them credit, when people give them credit. Um, a lot of them aren't, I grant you. A lot of them are quite shallow, and you and I you know, are familiar with that. That's fine. Uh, but some of them are quite complex, even the lack of the technology they had. So, But certainly in the PlayStation era... Um, that's a, that's a, you know that's a, that's a period where we had some games that were very very shallow, but some of them like you know Metal Gear Solid, which mm. like on the PlayStation One, I have to remind people of, and like oh wow, it just kept on going like yes, yeah yes, yeah, did. that that's that that could be like my number one series or one of them. Like, yeah yeah yeah, I mean I remember I, I, you know playing them on the MSX and stuff, and they were great. But I thought, oh, oh yes, yeah, this is fun, but 
you know, oh, sorry, I'm a fellow European, we, we, we can bang on about eight big computers till the cows come home. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. I'm a but, bit of a retro gamer myself. I, I'm really yeah. into that stuff. Yeah, indeed. And I actually, you know, streamed, I actually streamed Colony Wars, which I'm not familiar with that game on the PlayStation. Um, it's a bit like a Wing Commander, only much more dumbed down. It's good fun. It's good fun, but it's no, it's no Elite Dangerous, then again, what is? Oh. <laughs> it's good. It was good. It is very good fun, but uh, time has not been kind to it. But uh, uh, yeah, that happens. Yeah, and then another stream I did. I did, actually did Desert Strike on the Mega Drive because why not? <laughs> I, I just uh-huh. you know Desert Strike is a silly, silly, silly helicopter Desert. game. Oh yes, yes, yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. You fly around the desert, blowing things up. Anyway, um, but um, yes, yeah, so yeah. Great influences, and you're right. From software and and the, and the people you listed before, uh, and the, the studios you listed before, is, uh, yeah, absolutely agree that, that they are great storytellers and creating stories from uh, a medium which is not traditionally that great at telling stories. Mm. I know you would disagree because I think, but the potential is great. Yes, yes. Traditionally, they're not very good at it, but you're right. Some of the some of the, some of the most amazing stories have been born from video games and. Uh, you know, the Monkey Island series, of course, and uh, most of LucasArts games. I still like the Dig. I know people didn't like that game, but... Oh, I like I, Dig. Yeah, it's great. I kind of liked it. it was some, there was some bit, and it got very, very dark. Um, yeah. Yeah. I didn't expect it to take that turn at all. Uh, I don't want to... Re- I mean, it's a very old game, but honestly, if you've got a chance, and you can... I think you can download it from... Um, uh, it's on Steam. It's on Steam as well, Origin. So I'm not going to spoil it for anyone. It's a very, very old game, but it's great. And there's some bits in it. It is like this is messed up, and, and it's still it it's, it rings some aspects of that story that really quite ring back to to, to now. You know, even though the game's twenty thirty twenty five years old or so, doesn't matter. Still, uh, highly recommend it. But uh, not their best, I grant you. That is still Monkey Island, but it's still a good game. Um, so. This leads on to our next question. Uh, what developer did you most admire in the industry and why? Hmm. Uh, that's an... Let, let me think. Maybe maybe <laughs> admire. Like, yeah. there's so so, dif- so yeah. many different ways to admire. Who do you think you, you're really if, good at what you're doing? Please continue doing that. Yeah. I Like, if I have to pick one. Like, I got... I could pick the guy who's sitting next to me, but maybe, <laughs> but may, awesome. maybe, That's maybe, ah, uh, I, I guess I might have to at, at the moment. Like if, if we think at, at the moment, what I'm most excited about is, uh, uh, Sekiro that, uh, new from software game that's coming out. So I'm, I'm probably going to go into say Hidetaka Miyazaki. I feel like he has, uh, he has, uh, like, a like a real real thing that he's he's doing at the moment that uh, he he's not afraid to try try new things even though like you know they've done the souls things for a while now but uh, like doing just saying that okay this is over now we'll go to a different thing and uh, like it or not let's see and we'll just do it really good and well we're yet to see what the new game's going to be like but it seems like a very different one also something that I'm Considering, like I already mentioned, Lucas Arch people, but Tim Schafer, I've been a big fan of for for a while, and um, uh, they when they made Broken Age uh, at Double Fine, uh, they also made this documentary about making that game, and I think that documentary 
to me like feels like it's essential watching for lots of uh, game development people it it really like it doesn't it doesn't try to show the nicest way of everything it's it's just kind of like sometimes it's very raw and and to me like i can relate to a lot of things that's going on there it's they are um extraordinary studio that continue uh to 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 Marv, uh, uh, amaze people on what their creativity and they they are terribly humbled about what they do. Sometimes they push things out and they go, I don't know, is this any good? <laughs> Enjoy, mm. I guess. Uh, but uh, they've definitely been emboldened over the last ten ten or so years, realizing that actually, you know, let's just, just strike out and do these crazy things. No, no one will mind, and no, we don't mind. It's more, we, you know, it's uh, please carry on doing those amazing things. Sometimes there are missteps, but every studio and developer has that, and some actually. Um, never, never recover from that uh, because they put all their eggs into this one basket, and turns out it was a bad, it was a bad egg. But uh, yeah, I don't, it's um, that aside. Um, no, I, I think you know from software and Chrome Hounds. I believe they made Chrome Hounds, uh, my favourite mech games. Um, mm, yeah, they've so, made a lot of those. Yeah, just uh, the, the, on the three hundred and sixty, it's height. I still remember playing that with my friends and. Um, just marveling at some of the weird stuff that happened in that game. I do remember, like, what you know, that there'll be a, suddenly a massive mech suddenly appears out of nowhere. Like, what? What is that? Like, I don't know, but we've got to kill it. Okay. <laughs> it was, uh, yeah, they're, they're just so quirky and strange. And uh, uh, the game, the video game industry is better off for their existence. And, oh yeah, you know. I really should have mentioned Keita Takahashi from Katamari Damashi because, like, oh, that. If yes. we talk about quirky, like, that's yeah. really something. I actually uh, streamed. Uh, I know he didn't make this, but it reminds me a little bit because I do love the uh, his work. But um, I think he's doing Waffham now, isn't it? Is it yes. Waffham? Yeah, that was at Pax West. Oh, I saw Waffham? that. At PAX. Yeah, something mm. like that. Yeah, uh, it's, it has a mayor. You play a mare that's got a hat on that you can. It's all very strange, and um, yeah, yeah. Uh, and yeah, uh, I, was, I was playing Loco Roco, which is a game mm. full of joy. It reminds me. It's not. It's not the same developer or anything, but it's. Uh, it reminds me a lot of his work, and uh, but uh, yeah, Katamari Tomasi is, is a fantastic game, re-released on the Switch, and deservedly so. Yeah, it yeah. does have this like music and gameplay that Katamari also has to yeah. it. So. Yeah, it's just like I said. They, there's a thing where you actually press the button. You know, they split apart into smaller things, and then you press the button, and they join together, and they all start yelling "join" in a very high-pitched, squealy voice. But I like to think they're yelling "joy," joy, oh. because it's just like much better. Like joy, yeah, yeah. You're just full of joy, aren't you, little friends? And they are little friends. Anyway, I'm sharing a little bit too much now. Finally, the last question I have to ask you, and this is a legal question, uh, legally required, because we're having a podcast about video games, so I have to ask the question, what are you playing right now? Oh, I love this question, because uh, <laughs> I, I play so much. <laughs> oh, no, me too, me too. Yeah. Uh, I, I just, uh, games that were awesome, there it is, mm-hmm. said it. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, what, what are you playing? What's, what's distracting you from Warbital? 
and it's creative. Yeah, that, that's a perfect way of putting that. <laughs> Trying to find a balance. Exactly. Yeah, I, I really am. But uh, yes, let's see. At the moment, like I have this thing that uh, I really want to stick with uh, one game at a time and try to finish it all the way through, and then I mark it on my uh, on my like uh, sheet. And like maybe I'm a little bit obsessed, but <laughs> I like finishing games. So like for the last month, I've been going through Yakuza Zero. Uh, it's a uh, Yakuza series is something that I found. Uh, I think last December, when on PS Plus gave a free one, this Yakuza Kiwami One, which was a, uh, like a remake of the first Yakuza game, and despite it's kind of like a boring name, I I really got into it. Like it's full of this weirdness uh, and this kind of like um, Japanese aesthetic to it. You you can go sing karaoke all of a sudden and and. Uh, do this all crazy mini games, and at this next moment, there's like dramatic, uh, very heavy scenes of grown men crying about their loss, and then then you just go, you know, bowling and have fun, and uh, it's it it has this like the tones are sort of fighting with each other, and I just somehow really love that, and uh, it's it's a it's a lovely game going through that bit by bit, and. Uh, I guess I could also mention that because of Yakuza, I also got into Mahjong because <laughs> it's one of the mini games is there, and I, I spent way too much time playing that one mini game because somehow I just got into this idea that now I'm gonna learn to play Mahjong, and I spent maybe 50% of my whole playtime of uh, Yakuza Zero in the Mahjong table, and uh, got really into that, and I had to go buy my own uh, tiles, and now I'm trying to find people and trying to teach them to play and trying to force them to play with me. So yeah, that's that's what I'm working on. That's fantastic. What a great response. I must confess that when I tell people this about, you know, I've been playing games for for, for many, many years, so I know the Yakuza series or Yakuza? Yakuza. Yakuza, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, the pronunciation is, is tricky. Um, but uh, I think the U shouldn't be stressed too hard, so it's Yakuza, I think. Um, and it's, um, yeah, I've been playing it since PS2 days. Just like, oh, really? Yeah, so like, um, so I'm very familiar the series mm. uh, so fair play to you um, yeah, Mahjong is a that's a game it's like Go it's a game that look, you, I mean uh, in that the two amazing games from, from, from Japan I believe they are I'm wrong I'm going to get yelled at now but anyway from that part of the world probably not um, like chess saints no it's not anyway um, so but yeah uh, I, I know Go a little bit better a lot better actually than Mahjong and I've always wanted to delve into that game because the, the Mahjong game because uh, that's, a, that's a thing you know that's a, that's a it really is a thing. Com- complex beast that you can yeah, really, yeah. really, really get very deep into, and it's nothing like, yeah, it's um, patterns upon patterns upon patterns, and uh, you realise that you go down. But understand uh, that you can go down a series of decisions and paths, thinking you've got some moves to go ahead and create, and trying to set up that great cascade, but it doesn't really. You know, pan out, but then then you find some other avenue to exploit potentially. It's just a, yeah, and it's yeah. also like a real, really tactile game, and it, mm. it because of the tiles and yes. how you how you move them around and how what they look like. It's just uh, I just I just sometimes fall in love with these trappings of a thing. Like if it was a card game, I probably wouldn't really care, even if it was the same same rules. Right, right, but the fact they look at like little clinky tiles it somehow makes a difference. Yeah, yeah. Ah, uh, humans, we're weird. Anyway, certainly we are strange, but. That's the end of the first half. See, you made it. Well done. Yay. Yeah.
So uh, let's uh, move on then to the second half, where we delve deep into Sazu, the first question I have for you is, before we can actually talk about Warbital objectively, we need to know what it is. So what is Warbital? Well, Warbital is a game where... Ah, man, I should have should have learned to pitch this properly. Yeah, well, it's a, it's a game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you would have thought by now, but, but every time it's like, Warbital is... What, what, what is Warbital? What is it? What is it? Yeah, what is it actually? What is it really? Really? Well, yeah. it's planets. You have a planet, your friend has a planet, you build guns on the planet, and you fire at each other until the other guy's planet explodes. That's Warbital. And yeah, that's that's it in a nutshell, really. Like, but uh, there's, there's a lot more to it. Um, the weapons that we put in the game and have been developing, uh, they're kind of crazy, kind of on the crazy side. Like... Uh, this is not very serious game in a way. Like uh, you just you just fire railguns at your enemy planet and uh, destroy its soil little by little, and you reach the core, and you then you uh, blow up the core, and the planet explodes. But the planet can also the shards can blow blow up into other planets, and those planets can explode, and then it can cause chain reactions, and then you can build weapons that. Uh, shoot at other planets off their orbits and then they fly to the sun and then the sun explodes and like that's that's really the best way that i can describe the game it's like uh, joy in these uh crazy cosmic chaos happenings that's orbital i would say it's yeah let's say like not quite every extended extra because that's a that's another beast entirely but that does involve chain explosions but um this is a much slower more sedate experience but eventually things that can get out of control if you're not careful um but uh, it's basically trajectile emplacement where whereas your emplacement is actually your planet which is orbiting around this sun there's lots of conceits going on of course uh planets are massive i mean they're colossal so a rocket being fired from a planet won't actually have much impact on it at all <laughs> unless these rockets are absolutely massive as well. Um, oh. But that's the you know conceit of the game. It's just like, oh, come on, just, you know, of course it's not, you know, this is absurd. But <laughs> it just doesn't matter. doesn't matter. The, the key here is that you are controlling a planet and you build 
around its perimeter, these eight segments, this is brilliant, I just love that idea, these eight <laughs> segments that you, you, you install each installation on, hence the word install, there you go. So there again, and there could be anything from a shield, could be a, you know, a generator, or it could be, uh, or indeed an offensive weapon like a laser, a shotgun, a railgun, uh, a nuclear missile that happens later on. It's not really a spoiler because you know, within half an hour of playing the game, you will be firing off nuclear missiles, which you control yourself. Which is great. Oh yes, um, and uh, these are take have a lot of cooldown. You know, in order to have to build the ammunition, have to you know charge up the gun to fire it off. And when you do that, it then fires. And then what happens is that the, the, the trick is really the fact that um, you're you are orbiting around the solar, a solar system, firing various projectiles at other celestial bodies, <laughs> which is great. And this leads me on to my first design question. The rotation of the planets and the planet that the player is control or planets that the player is controlling does require timing on the part of the player. How do you believe Warbital communicates this to the player? Hmm. Yes. Uh, well, Warbital, it. Uh, you you actually like uh, you have these two ways of looking at the solar system you have the uh, top left corner where it shows uh, your planet a sort of map where you can see a close-up shot of all of your weapons on the planet's surface and the planet itself rotating and then you can also look at the actual solar system from farther away or closer in when you zoom in and out and look at the solar system there and uh, in Warpital like this, this might this might come as a, as a something that uh, seems obvious at the moment because uh, when you've seen the game and understand, but uh, we took this sort of like a two D approach of it. That uh, even though the game is in three D graphics, we played only on just one two D plane, so uh, everything is going uh, along those orbital lines of the planets, and the uh, structures are actually built sort of on the on the rim of the planet in a way. Nothing's there on the center, like they're all on the same rim. And you will be able to see um, when the planets also rotate along their rims and you will see the structures uh, either on the corner view or on the on the solar system view rotating uh, there along, along the planet once it travels. And uh, when you start... Uh, aiming your guns you can easily easily see um if you if you have the target or not depending on the targeting line showing showing uh, the position so yeah it <laughs> i guess it communicates in in com- complex ways yeah it's um slingshotting shots is also very very satisfying Mm-hmm. When you manage to get to a shot where you wrap one of your shots around one planet because you're trying to fire at another one, typically you're yes, yes, um, certainly that's, that's really good fun. And like you, you don't necessarily you don't necessarily have to have a straight shot like well, uh, that your planet is aligned there. Like you can you can have your planet uh, your weapon can be in a completely wrong spot, but if you just happen to have a couple of planets in good positions there or the sun, you can use the gravity to. Uh, get your shots to the target. Yeah, 
Yeah, it's um, and that's great. It's feel, it feels a little bit like the, one of the oldest video games of all time, which is uh, God, Space War. <laughs> yes, yes, that, that has you know that has all of that. Although you're not, you're controlling a vehicle in that and shooting at each other with a, you can have a central gravity well in the middle of the the map, and that's what the the sun feels like most mm. of the time. Um, so we already alluded to it, but let's talk about it. The Newtonian physics or Akin gravitational sort of forces does play a role in leading weapons fire. I just want to ask how has this been developed and what kind of like how strictly do you follow Newtonian versus for the sake of gameplay or, or, or progression or sense of satisfaction? Seeing you know, because the, the, you do have some gravitational sort of influences, but it's not quite realistic i mean for example the orbiting of the planets all circular which you and i know mm. it's not true i mean yes, it's yes. It's, a, it's all a 2d plane as well again that's not how the universe is structured <laughs> um it all ellip- uh, i mean the the orbits of planets is actually very complex and uh it's actually in 3d and it's also elliptical um typically not not a circle but anyway that aside what 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 kind of things have you played with what have you gone what roads have you gone down as regards to physics and where have you diverted away from it from the sake of, well, the game? Yeah, here, here's the thing. Like this, we can we can go into into this even deeper in a way that uh, our previous game, Interplanetary, was actually the same concept as Warbital. Uh, it was planets fighting a war between each other by uh, pro- projectile weapons, and uh, that game, the idea was that we were trying to make it a bit more of a realistic feeling thing. Like how how would you actually have uh, wars uh, between planets? And uh, then from from that game, all of these uh, gravitational mechanics sort of developed. Warbital is uh, sort of like a response to that after after the development process of the previous game just i just wanted to go in the completely different direction maybe take the core idea and just go crazy with it so that's sort of like what also happened with the with the gravity it starts from the newtonian rules of gravity basically uh like those are somewhere there in the code but um basically the planetary system itself uh, the way it exists it's so such a different thing than you would see anywhere in the in real life, anywhere in nature, that uh, we just through the basically the gravity pulls of different planets and the sun to be completely whatever we whatever we felt like uh, serves the fun the best, and they are really close to each other, and the planets are very very big, and the sun actually has a very low gravity in orbital. It might not be something that uh, people pay that much attention to, but but it just made it a bit more fun in a way that uh, the sun doesn't like suck in all the projectiles that go close, but you can just use it a bit easier, and uh, and, and maybe it's a bit easier to hit enemies because the planets itself themselves have a bit uh, bit of a stronger gravitational pull. Yeah. So yeah. Okay. It's uh, yeah, you could really delve into. It. You're right. There is depending on the size of the celestial body. Does dictate it's 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 you know the mass of it does dictate how um, strong its uh, ability to curve and you can slingshot various shots around and definitely utilize that and you, uh, you know thankfully you do 
do communicate that to the player that if they fire this shot right now, this will be his trajectory, approximately, mm. more or less. But Warpital really goes uh, like more than any rules of physics is goes by rule of fun. Like that that's the that's the main goal of uh, goal that we wanted to do with this. That uh, that uh, if, if if like uh, natural law and fun collides, then we go with the fun and then come up with a better natural law. Okay. Right. Next question, then. And it's something I've been meaning to really ask you from the very beginning. Because one of the things that really caught my attention about Warbleton when I first saw it, because it sort of intrigued me how this is going to play out, was the player ultimately has no control over where they are in the theatre of battle. And I'm calling that. That's what it is. It's, 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 so it happens to be a solar system, but it still is a theatre of battle. And they actually don't have any control, typically. I'm going to sort of go further into the game. But <laughs> you don't really have control about where you are in that map. You're just, you know, just revolving around the sun. And eventually you'll, you'll interact with that. How do you ensure... I know, I know the answer to this, but I want you to explain it. How do you ensure player agency, yet they... Whilst they don't have any control or influence over where they are. Well, if we, if we go to the very, very basics, actually, in, in the very first beta that we ran, we didn't have, I know what you're referring to here, but we didn't have these uh, certain weapons that caused these uh, effects to happen. So basically the whole game was just the players going on their orbit in this specific speed that they would, they would go. Mm. And... Um, uh, the only way to keep up the players basically agency was that they could they could use shields and they could defend against uh, enemies attacks and they would basically just wait for things to happen but something that we did um, did add later and this well not really later this was always in the always in the plans but when we did the beta we wanted to try the way that they first go with this normal gameplay and then we introduced these crazy things like orbit boosters which um which when activated they speed up the planet speed on the orbit and um depending on the direction it can go really fast and to the and any any direction depending on where it happens to be at the planet at the moment so you can speed up and kind of catch up with the other planets and uh, funnily enough when we started introducing these mechanics people were like no no change it back this is breaking the whole game but actually like that that was that was the intention the whole time uh, we just wanted to try try it out how it would go and of course, like the biggest thing that I haven't even mentioned is the derailing. So when you, for, for example, you have this weapon called World Rammer, and when you fire it at the enemy planet or any planet, it derails that planet completely off its orbit, and it starts like uh, obeying the rules of the gravity. Um, yeah, something that I forgot to mention in the last question was that they actually, the planets just they're they're actually just stuck on these uh, round orbit lines and they just go around and around and they don't actually orbit uh, obey the rules of gravity at all it's it's all fake uh, it's kind of like a yeah but once the planet gets derailed from its orbit then it just starts going around the solar system uh, obeying the rules of the gravity of the other planets of the sun and uh, the velocity that it was shot at and you can then 
uh, use these different uh, buildings like the orbit boosters to move your planet around and and go to have melee fights with other planets and things like that. But also, like at, at that point when you're not on your orbit anymore, uh, all your weapons uh, they have a recoil and you can fire fire them to move your planet and you become this uh, melee fighting planet craziness and that's 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 the best part of the game for me mm. yeah it's um it does really go crazy places i, I mean I'm, I'm hinting at things really with this um so an initial part of the game when you're playing it you don't have a lot of control but eventually well things go quite hairy because you have to because in order to progress in the game and there is there is a single player component as well by the way but there's a massive multiplayer as well because games like this require or anchored around both you know um but uh you know the, the real fun is to have had wisdom when you're firing at each other because humans well they're just so horrible <laughs> when it comes yeah, yeah, to yeah. they do things the most vicious vicious things like oh really you're gonna do that like well i can do it i can exploit it let's just let's just hurl everything i've got and um which leads me to my last question i know all good things must come to an end but this is my last last design question to you is we have we sort of hinted at it at the beginning when I talked about the eight spokes. So there's eight positions you can place, and all hotkeyed by the way. You on your PC, the one to one to eight, and um, basically the positioning, the positioning of his installation. Because remember, everyone, that not only is your planet orbiting the sun, but it's also slowly rotating as well. And so the positioning of these installations, I believe, is quite vital. To a player's level of success, they're not be all and end all. You can't lose the game because you put an installation in the quote unquote wrong place or lack of, you know, but not optimum place. But you are going to be hindered. I want to ask, um, how have you developed the installations versus the planet's rotation? How have you, what, what kind of things you've been doing and playing with in order to get? The selection of weapons that you you've, you've created for for Warbital. Well, uh, originally in the very early prototype, uh, we didn't have these eight uh, sectors that you can put buildings on, and you could just like uh, just build a building anywhere, and you could basically just if you had enough space on your planet, you could build I don't know like uh, 20 buildings or something and uh, it was it was pretty crazy and it was very difficult to get your uh, shots through that um, so we decided when when moving on to the actual actual like the well the non-prototype version of the game to make these sectors so that uh, you could have one building each sector we could balance the game a bit better around that and um, yeah because of that uh, it, it really does matter a lot uh, what buildings you build and where. And uh, the buildings themselves have a bit of combo potential among each other. Uh, for example, like you might want to build uh, a shield defense on each side of the planet so they're not all clumping together at one side. So you probably put like uh, three shield defenses on three corners of the planet and then uh, build other kind of weapons in between them. There's also another kind of buildings that uh, do help with the uh, sort of like also affect the where you build them. There's a overcharger which is you, you can 
wherever you build it on the planet, the buildings next to it uh, charge up faster when you activate it. But if you build it next to another overcharger, well, they blow up. We just want to put these uh, random weird things that I, I don't want to spoil all of them, but the game has a lot of those things. There's a lot of randomness in there. But yeah, it... Uh, it does matter a lot, and uh, the I guess like you generally have to think about uh, the space that you use for these buildings, and that you have enough uh, these offensive weapons on one side of the planet, so that since the planet keeps rotating, that you always have an opportunity to fire at your enemy. But you also need to mind that you have enough defenses there. And also something about this uh, sector system is that because you can have only L8 buildings on your planet, this and the buildings are not the complete size of the sectors, is that the, the opponent will always have an opportunity to fire between those buildings unless you use them to defend at the enemy shots very effectively. Because you can shoot down enemy shots at any building or, or any defense that you have. So uh, if, they, if they just manage to fire between there and you don't have a proper defensive uh, structure there, they can just destroy your soil from there, from that little hole and reach your core and destroy your planet. So basically it's all about making these little decisions there on where to build what. And of course, these installations can be destroyed by the other player or the enemies. Yes, yes. That's something I think you've mentioned a little bit. Let's just focus on that because that is quite important. I've actually been caught out a little bit going, oh, where's my laser gone? Oh, wait. <laughs> yeah, it's gone. <laughs> it's gone. It's rubble. Uh, I'm going to have to make another one. I do find the laser very satisfying. I know it's early in the game, but uh, for used to when it swings around and you actually hit fire and you just hang on, you just hold on, and it's just sort of rather than like uh, it's just burns everything away and you get all this money coming in it's fantastic oh yes i forgot to even mention that this is so much that going through my head when trying to answer that question it's like the laser is like very uh, the laser specifically built with that uh, pro, uh, the planet rotational mechanic in mind because you can't actually rotate the laser at all it just always points up yes. so you ha have to have to wait until it hits like this actually came from star wars because the the scene at the end of the episode for new hope or, or star wars if you will uh where the death star is uh, approaching the rebel base and getting to the trajectory so that they can fire the same idea well that's where the laser idea basically comes that you're just waiting for the laser to hit hit the enemy planet and then you can press the press down the fire button and it's especially important to that you have to press down the button because it feels good yeah and you have to hang on hold on until it's you know it the planets but you really do cause a lot of damage with that thing it's yeah yeah very very satisfying but to you know you've got to wait a long time and also you've got you've got to juggle a lot of things you're waiting for your planet to rotate whilst also you're defending yourself against the attacks from your from the other planet is also firing off other missiles and blowing up other planets for resources and that kind of thing it's just it's a it's so much there's so much going on and it can be a little overwhelming sometimes but the the, the pace of Warbitor is really good it's just right it's not too fast not too slow oh, thank you. it's just it's just just right for a game like this it's very it's an extremely tactical game with a capital T uh, and it seems to be built from the ground up to be just that, uh, as well as um, fun, of course. But it very much is, you know, you're reacting to the situation at hand and you're using the tools available to you 
to overcome the uh, the enemy, whether whoever or whatever that may be. But there is a very large sort of um, this is there's factions you can play and uh, different factions, and you can actually play their different stories and stuff. It's great. There's a lot of content here, and um, of course there is the you know the ability to play against others online and matches and that sort of thing, just like any other game of similar ilk. And of course, you know, the earliest version of this type of game is Scorched Earth. You can look it up. It's an old Amiga game from thousands of years ago. And then from that, uh, someone reskinned it and called it Worms. <laughs> <laughs> and then they made some money, apparently, and kept a uh, certain studio afloat for many, many years. We were very nameless. <laughs> anyway, we are now publishing indie games, by the way, so it's a bit weird. Anyway. Yeah, it has happened to publish our game, too. <laughs> not not Warbital, but uh... no, no, no. So Sasu, it's been fantastic having you on. Oh, thank you. It was thank very you. nice. Thank you very much for for sharing your experiences and your love of From Software, as well as making <laughs> games about uh, planets blowing each other up, which is of course Warbital. It's out now. At the time, as we said, it's out uh, Windows PC and is that it? Uh, uh, it's also Mac. There you so, go. I thought so. Yeah, I have a, I have a Mac laptop uh, because they can take a bullet and still go. They're very expensive, but wow, they can they just take anything and they still go. Uh, that's my experience until the battery explodes. Anyway, <laughs> um, but no, so uh, it's out on uh, Windows PC and Mac. Fantastic game, and um, again, thanks for making it. Well done for creating it and getting it out the door. Thank uh, you very to much. You and the rest of your team, and you're more than welcome to come back on to chat about what other projects you might have in the future, whatever that is. Oh, lovely. Thank you very much. I'd, I'd love to be back. 